Welcome to Board Game Box Office, Table Nods podcast about board games, movies, and all the space in between. Today, I'm joined by Doolin, who's about to lead a summer camp like Tony Perkis in Heavyweights, and Kenny, who wrote the intro and isn't going to say anything mean about himself. And I'm Max, and apparently I bought enough 4K discs to open up my own personal blockbuster. And yes, Kenny, I do know what a blockbuster is. On this episode, we're talking about games and movies that ooze style, debatably to their detriment. But before we get into that, let's talk about the games we've been playing and the movies we've been watching. Kenny, what have you been playing lately? This feels very weird because usually Kyle is the chosen one who gets to talk first. And so he usually (laughs) says something funny and quippy. Um, I thought you were about to quip at your own intro that you wrote, and I was, I was like, you don't get to do that. I thought it was a pretty good intro. Uh, apparently, you two haven't seen Heavyweights, and that's uh, that's a little stabbing. Correct. Yeah. We thought we'd leave that bit in for the olds, though. It is a 90s classic, I would say. Is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It has, it, it, ben Stiller plays Tony Perkis, who's, uh, megalome- like, uh, who's basically running a, a fat camp for kids. Um, and turns it into. <laughs> a, I could have used one of those in the nineties. Yeah, same. And um, and now, <laughs> in the nineties, when you were like five. Well, I probably yeah, you're probably right. I was probably <laughs> at least pretty, it's probably two thousands that I could have used it mostly. Anyway, heavyweights, good movie. But we're not going to talk about it today. I actually want to talk about the game Starcadia Quest. Have you ever, have you ever played a game before that made you realize, oh, I've grown as a gamer. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of had that experience with uh, Starcadia Quest because uh, kind of a long time ago when I first got into the hobby, uh, the game that I really liked and I, I played quite a bit was Arcadia Quest, the original, uh, which is basically a kind of like a PvP and PvA, PvE uh, dungeon crawler. That's a lot of letters. I know. Um, <laughs> player versus player, player versus environment game where you're both trying to kill the other players at the table but also fighting like little orcs or skeletons at the table um controlled by the players or just our path through their own ai um so it's very dice chucky kind of silly game and back in the day i loved it um, i loved the minis the the aesthetics of it and i've been playing in a long time just because i didn't really have the group for it um but i started playing again with a friend of mine and starcadia quest which is basically kind of like the revamp and redo of it so it's a bit more streamlined than the original starcadia quest uh it like plays over shorter sessions and it's not as like um fiddly i would say after playing it a couple times i have to say the magic is not there anymore um Oof. Just, Oof. yeah yeah it I mean, the game's still like the the minis are beautiful, and I think I still like the art style. It's just like just doesn't really have that same um, fun factor, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. And I wonder if it is because we're playing at two, and I think that is a game that probably thrive like at at least at three, because um, it gives you a bit more back and forth when you're kind of rolling the dice or kind of moving around the map. But right now, it just kind of feels like a little munchkiny, like I like or like I, I'm making progress, and he just has to try to stop me, and it just. Never really feels like satisfying. Mm. So mm. maybe not a game that lends itself too well to just like one v one. Yeah, and I think that that probably could very well be the issue. It's not a game we're gonna get rid of. Like I think it's gonna be a really fun game when um, my daughter gets older, because you know it's, it is like pretty rules light and like has really attractive like art style. I think it's probably especially for a kid. Yeah, it hasn't really been hitting like I thought it would. Would you say that this has a game of style over substance? Yeah, you know, this actually does fit pretty well. Uh, I should have put it on the list, but I didn't. But. but you just added it here. You gamed the system yeah, to talk about yeah, another yeah. one. Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't really make the connection until now. But You know, <laughs> I've never played this, but I've definitely 
I've definitely been interested to play it. So if you need a buddy, I would I would be willing to do it one night. This is basically just slightly newer and different themed Arcadia Quest, correct? Yeah, yeah, it's that, but it's stream, it's more streamlined. Um, okay, I would say like Arcadia Quest Quest had just like a lot of like fiddly rules, like like been because it is a campaign right. game. It was a much longer campaign game in Arcadia Quest. This one's kind of like cut in half, and a lot of the rules for just like loot and progression and stuff is made a lot easier. I, I wonder if they by like streamlining it, they kind of also made it a little bit less fun. But it's 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 kind of hard to say that just too. Just less game there overall. Yeah, or just like, or less like big moments, right? Like I think mm-hmm. like the the original arcade quest could be really swingy, which was frustrating, but also could be fun. This one just kind of feels like a battle of attrition, which isn't as fun. Right. Yeah. All right. Fun question: If you guys could come up with the theme for the third rendition of this system, what would it be? Barcadia Quest. Barcadia Quest? I was thinking Yarquadia. Yarquadia Quest, and it'd be pirate Mm. theme. (laughs) So mine is like a bar crawl drinking game, (laughs) and yours is a pirate themed game. I like it. Mine would be Scarcadia Quest, which is supposed to be scary. I was was thinking like Lion King. (laughs) I was too. I was going to say, good thing Kyle's not here. Put it on the list of things that we'll mention every episode now. (laughs) (laughs) We we can change the t-shirt. We can add that one in there now as a fourth check mark we have to hit. It it won't be anything but just Anala's yellow eyes. That's it. (laughs) Oh, good idea. Let me jot that down. Jot that down. down. (laughs) All right, Doolin, what's the game you've been playing lately? All right. I chose a game that uh, I've played so much lately that it's overtaken my most played non-online game <laughs> uh and that is trailblazers by ryan of Courtney or of all time in 2023 sorry sorry okay, in this year yeah, yeah yeah right by ryan courtney and uh hold on i forgot already oh yeah it's bitewing games who actually i learned this game about this game through their podcast um and then backed it and then earlier this year got it and learned it pretty quickly because it was <laughs> I've heard, uh, I I had heard that the solo mode was really good. And uh, this is a game about building out trails. And I like the concept of this because, uh, you know, with hiking, which is already like a cool theme to me, uh, the idea of building trails has always been really interesting to me. Uh, but with that, it adds some interesting mechanic combinations. So uh, most of it is network and route building. So you're trying to build out canoe trails, hiking trails, and then also biking trails. And you're trying to do this all at the same time. But the like added push your luck mechanic that gets thrown in is you can build out these trails as far as you want to, but they all have to at some point return home. Um, And so you can be hoping through the drafting that occurs Uh, each round that you get the proper cards you need to send your long trail home but if you've spent the entire game building a really like one really long trail for hiking uh, and you never managed to get it back to the the trailhead then that trail actually scores you zero points Uh, on top of that there you know something that i love in games is in-game and end game racing objectives and there's uh, both of those in this game and i i think this has a chance to be one of my favorite games from this year and then also a game that i continually play a long time because i enjoyed it at one 
And I've now also enjoyed it at uh, six with my family. And I just think this game is really good. I, I know that you guys didn't really get the chance to play it, but I at least taught it to Kenny. <laughs> it's true. And how many times have you played this, Dylan? This it seems like a shocking amount. Um, Let me check BG stats. You guys can keep talking if you want. Yeah, so you did teach me the game. And then Max really interrupted and said, we're not playing this. And flipped the table. <laughs> yes, my presence really, yeah. really dampened your, your enjoyment of that evening. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, a really, so it's a weird production. Like the... The meep, there's a ton of meeples in there that are for expansions only. Really nice meeples too. Um, and the really nice art, but the cards are tiny and they're like PVC. I, I candled the cards for like maybe five minutes and I dropped it on myself well, at least once or twice. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's part of the strategy in the game. After you play it more, you'll get better at that. Oh, just like real life, yeah. Max is actually true, like <laughs> a little <laughs> bit right about that because uh, when I was first like shuffling those cards i dropped them everywhere and i think emily heard me literally say i hate this <laughs> immediately i was just like this mm-hmm. is the worst but i've never done that like since that first time i played with them i just realized okay i need to be more careful handling these um bg stats after only having learned it for about three and a half weeks i've played it 15 times so wow uh, that's that's a, that's a lot for me as a person who loves to like like i've played too many games this year already how many times have you played final girl i've played it five times this year bro that's like how many games i've played this year (laughs) that's crazy good for you but i love this game i think uh if you're a fan of drafting and you're a fan of route building uh it's going to be a game that is going to be a hit for you so uh and I, i love the push your luck stuff and the racing stuff so and really tough solo Holy cow, I've lost this game so many times. Yeah, it's one I like to play. I think the aesthetics of the game are really beautiful. Sorry. And... <laughs> what? What? He's saying sorry because oh, yeah. he, he, we almost got to play. I I, yeah. I think Maxwell enjoy it more than he thought he would, <laughs> but not love it. Like, I, I think yeah. like, he he right now thinks it's going to just be fine, and I think he's going to be like, that was a surprise. Like, I, I legit, I think, but I think Kenny will like it. Mm-hmm. Max a lot, a lot of the time says... I like it, but I don't love it. And that's what mm. he would say to this. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. <laughs> I get well, told Max. I've become increasingly more uh, pessimistic, for lack of a better I don't know. I don't think that's true. But I don't know. Maybe I just want to play games that wow me these days, which makes me want to return to, like, my old favorites. But, yeah. That's and I also think that I've gotten better at, like, knowing what my tastes are. That's not to say that I'm never wrong about a game. I'm, I've played games that I thought I'd love and I didn't like, and I've played games that I thought I'd hate and I loved. But in general, I feel like I used to just be like, throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, with my limited time, I've kind of like decided like, yeah, I want to spend my time trying that out. But other things I, I don't really want to spend my time trying out. And maybe I'll be wrong about them, but in the normal day to day, I've kind of narrowed down my, my scope a little bit. That's yeah, I know. Good. Like, I know we're giving you crap about it, but that's that's a very common like thing to do. Giving me crap. Yeah, I know. It's really, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> true. Games, movies, it doesn't matter. True, true, and true. <laughs> podcast, think, not podcast, doesn't matter. You know, it's, <laughs> also true. Um, Kenny texts me every morning and says, "Good morning." <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was going to be a terrible night's sleep. <laughs> I thought there was going to be more of a no, they, like that. Like I thought there was going to yeah. be more of a chirp there. 
Well, you know, I kind of, you know how sometimes you start saying something without an end in sight? That was kind of mm. one of those things that I just started saying. Like Michael like, Scott. I, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, I don't, have an in, I don't have a goal here. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I have to finish it. Um, I was going to make it, I was actually going to be smart here and make a good point. Um, but I, I do find it very common in board games. Like you just kind of want to try, try, try everything. Like in the mm-hmm. first like two, three years, you're playing board games, but then you kind of figure out like, this is stuff I like and stuff I don't like. And it's mm-hmm. a, you become more discriminating. I think that's that seems like what you're doing now. Would love to have that happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's nice to continue to be open minded. Yeah. It's just like it's less that I know what I'm gonna not like and like, and it's more that like I'll probably like this game. I'll probably like it. Will I love it? Will I want to spend my time on it? So I don't think that I'm super pessimistic about things thinking i'm gonna hate these board games that i that i play i just think that i'm being a little more realistic that they're probably not going to be like fast phase for me and so i'll get to them when i get to them but i have other games on a priority list of like these i'm really interested in or i want to return to uh like my recent need to to start a blood on the clock tower again because it's been six months since i've played and i was like i really have to play that again (laughs) like it's been too long it's been too long but Speaking of another game that I very much like to return to, we finally got a chance to after uh, playing the prototype copy for the initial uh, Kickstarter campaign, and this is City of the Great Machine by uh, Crowdy Games, or Crowd Games, or Crowdy Games, I'm not entirely sure how you pronounce it, but um, this is a one versus many strategy game. I think that we have often described it as a hidden movement, which it is, but it isn't at the same time, so I think it's maybe just more applicable to just declared a one versus mini game um one person is playing the city the great machine basically and another person is playing or other people are playing as these um i don't know what you would call them heroes for lack of a better term and their goal is to take down the machine while the machine goal is to take full control of the city kind of an autonomous thing uh the rule book specifically says that both of you believe you are in the right there's no protagonist or antagonist here necessarily um, but super interesting game that when I played it for the prototype, I was in love and desperate to, to get the full copy. Um, because I remember just thinking about that game for weeks after I played it that I wanted to return to it, but we had to like send, we had to forward the prototype copy. We didn't have it anymore. <laughs> so it's just mm-hmm. one of those things like, ah, it's grueling. Uh, and we finally got the opportunity to, to pull it out after me asking for about a month and a half. And we sat down and we played and Doolin was the machine, much as he was during the prototype. Kenny and I played the survivors or the heroes, which you always play three heroes versus the machine. doesn't matter what player count. So this is only a one to four player game. You can't play this with five. I mean, you could much in the same way you can play Final Girl with two. But I controlled two heroes, basically. Kenny controlled one. It was just another one of those experiences where the game ends and it's not even like I I hesitate to even say that this was like an incredible play because it wasn't really truly like I had a good time, but this was not like a landmark play where I was like, wow, that game's so great. (laughs) I was like, that was really frustrating, actually. But the more I thought about it, I was like, God, we played so poorly. (laughs) Like we did so many things wrong. And so it wasn't like I left being like, oh, such a good game. I can't wait to play it again. I left being like, God, we're such idiots. I can't wait to play it again. <laughs> like, I still desperately want to return to this right away, uh, especially because there's quite a bit going on. So I think getting another play in quickly soon after would be helpful. Not that this game's overly complex, but 
there's a fair bit to it, but Kenny and I play terribly. Uh, you know, a couple rules mistakes that we had not really clarified. Like we didn't cooperate really much at all at the beginning. And then we read it and it was like, you can show each other your cards. We're like, oh, of course we can. <laughs> uh, but at that point in time, it was too late. We had cornered ourselves. We had made it far too obvious to the machine what our goal was, um, which your goal is to incite three riots. And you have to do that in a specific way. We incited one and then made a couple areas pretty ripe for riots. And Doolin was like, well, I'm just going to defend these areas forever. And instead of being like, that's cool. We'll go do it something else because we can play the long con. Kenny and I just kept like trying to force it in in those areas. And it's like, it did not work out for us. I will say like very early game, I felt really like, oh, this is about to be like just a sweep for yeah, them. we had a great yeah. first five turns. Because <laughs> I, I think in the two times we played it, Max, uh, you didn't get like your first riot until at least midway through the game. Yeah, like, it, so the game like kind of ramps as the and and I I think on purpose, right? Like by design, yeah. this game is cool because uh, early, like both of us are kind of building up our ability to do things. You're trying to get more people swayed, like so that when you do a riot like it, you have a higher chance of actually getting it yeah yeah and i'm trying to like put out uh what are they called like new laws basically to make the game harder Directives. on you yeah yeah i i think something that i did is not really the way the game is meant to be played and i think i don't know i just kind of i got to a point like after you guys got the first one i was like well all bets are off i just need to start taking chances because they're they're doing well and it worked out for me but i don't think I don't think I'm constantly supposed to be breaking down doors and like trying to find you guys. I think I'm trying to be focusing on other things and I maybe could have played that game a little bit more like a DM rather than, okay, I I feel like there's one or two places and I'm just going to like basically uh, guard those really, really hard. But it made it, I don't think the game made uh, it may be made it a little more boring than uh, previous games we've had of it. I think you found uh, two stupid opponents and we're like, why wouldn't I take advantage <laughs> of their their stupidity? I, I think it says less about the game and more the fact that Kenny and I just did not pivot at all. And so you were like, why would I pivot when this is working? <laughs> it's just. Well, it's one of those things when you play a game like you like the game is like kind of like a slow burn. Like, I think that's the way you're you, you should play the game to be successful as a, the heroes or survivors. We try to play it as like a trying to pull off like monster combos like we did for that first riot. Yeah, and which was just, great. And it, it almost just, worked again. But yeah, it just blew up in our face. Um, but I will say that something Doolin said that like you should have acted as a DM in this game. And that's one of the things I think for these one versus many games that is always like kind of like a is something you that can often be a failing point. Like, I think of a game like Descent, the original or the second edition of it, like that game was like one first mini game, but a lot of the time the, the, the player who was like the, the one had almost acted as a DM, like you had to pull your punches a lot. And so I, I think a game where you have, where you feel like you have to pull your punches to have a good experience isn't great. Um, I, I think it's just much more enjoyable to just get slaughtered like we did. So, <laughs> oh, I agree. I do yeah. not want Doolin to pull his punches at any moment in time. Yeah. That's not why I would play that game. I I don't know if Doolin did or felt like he should in the future, but I mean personally for me, I would I I I was very frustrated and also excited, like <laughs> that I clearly feel like we could be doing better. So like I'm upset, but 
I'm excited that I think that we can do better <laughs> next time. It's one of those things. Like, I think if you pulled punches, it would just be boring. Mm. I don't want that. Yeah, I can exactly. see that. I, I, I have a hard time. Like, uh, plus that doesn't sound fun for you. Yeah, I don't. I, I like. I like uh, watching everybody else have a good time too. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> know you like feel boring better. games. That's okay. <laughs> Dylan's people pleaser, so it's okay. Uh, I definitely wasn't in that game. I, I like as the game went on, I was like, man, maybe I should have made this a little more fun for them. <laughs> no, it would not have been more fun if you pulled punches. I would like to state that right now for all future games, Doolin. Even if I am a salty, <laughs> you do not need to tone down any of your competitiveness with me. That time we played Blood Rage and I trolled you lives in infamy and had i not done that i wouldn't have that picture of you very clearly pissed off and we would not have this memory of that happening that's very These true are what games are about highs and lows i am perfectly happy to get slaughtered and it live in infamy much like nala's bedroom eyes for the rest of eternity i'm perfectly happy with that and you can write that down you can quote me put it in the books I'm very pleased to uh, to play games that allow for crushing defeats and crazy victories, and I'm 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 totally cool with that. In the I moment, think- yeah, I was like, God, this is annoying. And as soon as it ends, I'm like, Oh, but I can do it again and better. It's just I don't know. It's emotions. I don't want a game that makes me feel like I'm going through the motions. Then it's a coffee table game. We can have that talk another day. I think uh, I think that would have made a better podcast for us three to talk about than the one that we're currently on without the guy who came up with the idea. I was about to say, Kyle came up with the idea and was like, <laughs> I can't be there. <laughs> we're like, well, we're supposed to record in 15 minutes, so we're just going to keep the topic. <laughs> but I do appreciate that we're like 25 minutes in. We've already made two really great Nala references. So That's good job, true. boys. That's true. Well, we have to make up for it with, with Kyle not being here, you know. <laughs> we have to give him something fun to listen to with the podcast too is there an nsfw tag that you can give a podcast but specifically for only one person <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> send the explicit tag to kyle's device only everyone else <laughs> everyone else could be a you know a normal human about it yeah <laughs> That was good, good, dude. We'll say say this is not suitable for Kyle's. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's great. That's great. Any anyone else want to throw in anything else on City the Great Machine? Other than I just want to say I've said a lot about this game. I've talked a lot, and I apologize for that. And I'll shut up. I promise. But. Uh, it's one of those games that I loved so much during the prototype phase. And I was really excited to get it back to the table. Had an absolutely terrible, crushing defeat of a first play, and I'm still really looking forward to get it back, getting it back out. Like, I don't know if you all feel similarly about this game or not, and that's fine if you don't. But like, I don't know. There's something about it that just makes me want to return to it. No, I I really like this. I think my only complaint is that it's a lot of rules to remember. And there's a lot of times like and I think maybe just with returns, we would get better at it. But there's a lot of times where we're like, I'm I'm not sure what this means. Pause. Let's look it up. I think that's just a first play in a while thing. I think if we got comfortable with the game, it's I don't think the the rules overhead is really like that bad. It's just not Mm -hmm. been it's been a while since we played it. Talk about a game with style and substance. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) any final thoughts on City of the Great Machine? 
No, I, I liked it a lot, and I actually found it pretty easy to pick up. Like, I think you did a good rules teach. Yeah, going. yeah. And I didn't, I didn't struggle with the rules at all. Despite um, us getting like four rules wrong. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you gotta make up rules. It's fine. Yeah. If Kenny were <laughs> teaching, it'd be like twelve. So. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I, th- I thought. I. I mean, I think the production is really nice. It's. I love the steampunk aesthetic of it. Like mm-hmm. it has like real strong uh, Bioshock vibes. Mm-hmm. Um. For yeah. Sure. I. I would definitely to be down to jump into it again i think it'd be great at four as well yeah absolutely agreed all right that's enough about the games we've been playing now on to the movies we've been watching kenny what have you seen lately so i finally watched the movie that max has been raving about quite a bit lately and that is parasite um yeah, you did. yeah so uh, yeah i don't know like I, i've avoided it for so long um but yeah my wife and i sat down to watch it and i, I was really quite blown away by it um it is a movie like where, like I think we talked about it quite about uh, quite a bit, Max. That we don't need to go into like super details on it. But yeah, like, but I I've talked about it with no one else having watched it. No, so at okay. least now this is like the first podcast that two of us have seen it. At least <laughs> all right, like, all right. I still don't want to get deep into spoilers because I don't want Doolin to. I, I want Doolin to watch this without knowing a lot about it. But I would sure. love to know how you feel about it. At least like we can spend a little bit of time on it. Yeah, I think I think the main thing I took away from it is like I was just so impressed by like the the depth of filmmaking here, like just like how every little scene, every little detail they added in meant something. Mm-hmm. Like I watched a few movies, uh, a few videos about the movie, kind of talking about like really like it seemed like mundane or small parts of the movie, but like how they kind of all those things added up, right? Created to the greater whole, like they like architecture of like the dwellings of the, like the lower class family. And the I believe that they fan. built that. Mm-hmm. I believe yes. that they fully built that area of the city, basically, to fit the narrative. Yeah, and just like how, but like it seems like kind of inconsequential. Like it seems like that's just you could buy like a nice mansion or, or rent a nice mansion to make the movie, but it was so important to the actual uh, story and just like what it represents in the movie itself, literally, but also um, from a metaphorical level as well um stuff like also like just like food is like is a constant thing in the movie it's something that's like can be weaponized it represents status or represents Mm -hmm. like moving up the social ladder um so like all these little details that uh that make up the movie like just create like a greater whole of it um it's just like so so well done has such like a great um plot from end to end but it's you know it is like a movie that has like a lot of like different emotions that kind of run through you right like the first 30 minutes of the movie kind of feel like almost like a a, a comedy in a way it feels like it's going to be a movie about like the lower class getting one up on the upper class right right but then you then know it becomes tense and, yeah it shifts yeah. yeah and it goes to like multiple almost like identities of the movie but it also always feels persistent um, and one thing I do love about the movie is that it always had like a nice comedic edge to it. Like it, it is a movie, like I would think like if this is a movie that'd be so easy to make it like dreary and just like mm-hmm. sad and depressing, but like there's a, there's a common thread of joy and just like humor that kind of goes throughout the whole movie um, that mm-hmm. makes it just, you know, like the sing songy thing at the doorbell, which is not mm-hmm. a spoiler really. I mean, cause no one's going to be able to connect the dots on that without seeing yeah. the movie, but Really? Or just like the humor and relationship between the family, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just, yeah. it is like it, the characters are well written. They're fully, really well realized, and then they just are written well and like are 
entertaining and you kind of want root for him. And like one, one thing I really been interesting about the movie too is like there is no like really strong bad guy, right? <laughs> it is just like yeah, this is, no, there's no clear antagonist in this film. Yeah, it's just these you you really get a sense of like that just just given the situation they're in, this is what they thought was best. This is what they had to do to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like a parasite, probably. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah but before yeah. I knew really anything about this film, I was like, I wonder why it's called Parasite. And then you watch it, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good title. <laughs> they they do it, yeah. And I mean, they do a really good job of like again, like building that the idea of the title into several mm-hmm. different levels. It's just not like, oh, it's just because of that. But no, it's like this and that and this and that and this and that. And it really just builds something that is just like, I don't know. It's such a good movie. Yeah. Three and a half half stars. How many? Three Three and a half? half. Yeah. No. (laughs) But really, what did you actually give it? Uh, I I initially gave it a four and a half, but I like, it's one of those movies like I look back at it and go like, there's nothing. I have no notes. There's nothing you could really do to make that better. So I I changed it to at five. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, Parasite is quite possibly my favorite movie. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. Ever. Wow. It is is, better. Better, better than I'm very one. happy about that because I thought it was La La Land. <laughs> no, so I mean, it is up there. Babylon, La La Land, Parasite are all some of my favorite films, but I think it's like I can, I think mostly what Kenny just said, like I can look at Babylon and Parasite and they just enraptured me, just engrossed me, and I loved them and they were emotional, but like they are definitely not perfect films. And that's not to say that your favorite film needs to be a perfect film. You can have a favorite film be a a crappy film for all you know i mean it's just some what it matters to you it's very subjective what it means to you but at the same time parasite is just almost flawless maybe flawless i just don't have any like i really can't say anything anything bad about it um one yeah. thing i wanted to add to what you said it's like Kenny, the paddington about, 2 of yeah, like raiders of the lost ark yeah it's better than paddington 2 and raiders of the lost ark um one of the things i wanted to add to what you were saying uh just about how everything was like just done so well and they they made the set specifically for things like like a, a big set that's a big endeavor because Bong Joon Ho wanted it that way. Uh, but Bong Joon Ho storyboards everything, which I think is crazy, but also at the same time just incredibly cool. Like he has every frame storyboarded. Like a single page of his storyboard is like. 10 seconds of screen time or something like and he is like he draws pictures of what it like of the, the camera what he's going to make the camera see he draws the frame and it's just like he goes to such a level of detail in his storyboard that like his film is is made it's just a matter of recording it at that point in time which i think is just absurd and very cool uh to know that like people do that and it's just it's wild to me but I think it, it obviously has paid off, at least in, in Parasite's case. I'm not sure that I've... I, I instantly fell in love with Bong Joon-ho, but I'm not sure that I've like seen another one of his films yet. I added them all to my watch list, but I still have yet to see Memories of Murder or The Host or Mother, which are all on there, but I'm very excited to. Parasite, yeah, easily one of my favorite films of all time. I remember seeing The Host, and it is quite a bit... It stars as stars a main uh, actor from this one as well. Um, quite a bit different movie though. Um, but I mean, th- not to level a parasite at all, but mm-hmm. still, still, still a good and fun movie. 
Yeah, I believe uh, Song Kang Song Kang Ho is his name. I, I'm uh, hopefully I'm not butchering the pronunciation of that, but he's also in Broker and Memories of Murder. I think he's a very I think him and Bong Joon Ho just have a history of working together, uh, which I yeah. also think is just really cool. I like when directors and actors get together and work on you know many different projects. I think it's very interesting to see their chemistry evolve. But yeah, it, you have to watch Parasite Dylan. I mean, I will geez, for sure, dude. <laughs> come over i'll watch it again come over and watch it again i'll watch it happily any day i feel like is, you you doing that's going to detract dylan from doing it so just say dylan you can't come over to my house and watch it watch it by yourself <laughs> that's fair that's fair that's a good point he'll never watch it if i make him come over yeah <laughs> you can come over to my house why would i do that you well, know how much money i spent on my tv and speakers <laughs> that's some real high class talking my god <laughs> <laughs> a lot more than i'd care to admit no i i the the level of complexity that you guys just discussed is a lot more than i i thought it was i, I think people just put it in a box when it first came out of this is a like suspenseful horror film um it's but, not horror either it's really not horror, none no, at all it's not there's a single scene a single scene that lasts two seconds where i was like oh yeah that could be horror and that's it do you even know what no, I'm talking about, Kenny? No, it's I, cake? I. I would classify cake. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, I wouldn't even. See, that's it's it's a straight up like uh, suspense movie, right? Yeah, agreed, agreed. I don't think it's horror at all. Yeah, well, that's Parasite. Thanks for bringing it up, Kenny. I was excited. You're welcome. I did now we get to you. move uh, from a masterpiece to to another masterpiece that's a very serious adult film uh, about two men who uh have it out for each other one one tries to kill the other and uh over the course of the film they 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 develop this bond going through uh just horror after horror and i'm talking about toy story uh (laughs) by pixar and disney um no i i picked this uh because i i don't know i i've it, growing up, it was one of my favorites when I was very little. Uh, I think this movie came out in, was it 1995? 94? Yeah. Uh, I was one years old. Uh, I don't remember watching it then, but I do remember watching it pretty much every day growing up. Um, and I probably hadn't watched it in like 10, 15 years. But after Emily and I, uh, little brag moment, uh, you guys already brought it up on last podcast. Uh, after Emily and I went to Disney, uh, we we went to the like uh i don't know what it was called i think it was like woody's roundup restaurant while we were there and uh it got us like wanting to watch it again and uh i kind of discussed this with you guys a little bit before but i do want to bring up what kenny said which is that the animation uh is a bit rough uh from what you remember as a kid um and especially comparing it to the ones now but uh i actually was surprised at uh parts of the film that struck me that as a kid i was just like oh like that's that's interesting uh like oh of course woody's jealous of of buzz but like there's like deeper uh parts of this film than i expected and comparing this to like modern pixar i'm like man pixar has really fallen behind (laughs) uh from what they used to put out but i i don't know i love this film do you guys remember much of the plot of this film when's the last oh, time yeah. you watched toy story yeah. one 
Honestly, probably not that long ago for me. Yeah, we we have five years old, five year olds. Yeah, oh, I forget. You guys have little kids. Yeah, I've seen Toy um, Story one more recent than I've seen Toy Story two or three, which is a shame because they're better. But ooh, now I don't know if I agree about two being better than one, but I do. I I think three's the best one. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. But one, I don't know. It. Uh, I think. <laughs> I I think for Disney to do this and Pixar to do this. Like, it's such a unique concept. Like, it might be, after rewatching it, maybe my, like, favorite Pixar series. Like, it's just really hard to say anything else compares to it because it, it hits for little kids and adults alike. And there are jokes in it that, like, I was like, that's very adult. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't expect that in there. Uh, but it's something that went over my head as a kid. Um, there's even, like, there... Emily and I brought this up, and this is an adult podcast, right? Like, we're allowed to talk about these things? Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, so in Toy Story 2, which I know is not Toy Story 1, but there's a part where, like, Buzz and Jesse are flirting uh, at the very end of Toy Story 2, like, after they meet each other, and uh, Jesse does this, like, cool flip on the car like he did in Toy Story 1 and flips up and grabs the doorknob, twists it, and lets the dog out. And Buzz has his jaw dropped, and then his wings shoot out. Yeah. And it's supposed to be like him getting, you know. Like a penis. Getting excited like Kyle does watching Nala. Um, And Emily Emily looked over at me, and she goes, is that what they mean? Meant there? And I was like... Yeah, I I think it is. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's what it is. But like as a kid, that was just like, wait, wait, his I guess his wings popped out. He was excited. <laughs> yeah, there's so <laughs> many things that I mean. We mentioned this when we were talking about Frozen on the last podcast. But it's mm. like there's so many innuendos in Disney films and and children's films in general that they try and slide in to to get over a children's head, but still appeal to the adult watching it. I, I appreciate them for sure. And boner jokes are always funny, so. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't want that to be the only thing I bring up, because, like. No, that's the, that's the <laughs> takeaway. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. I just Toy Story is great, because it had a boner joke. I I think that it handles uh, some pretty serious, like, uh, like, important things. Like, Woody feels out of place. He, like, in one, he is dealing with buzz who comes in and kind of uh takes this love away from him and uh he has to be able to put that aside for the good of the kid and then in two he's just like you know andy's growing up and i'm eventually going to be washed up and not used anymore and it's like wow like (laughs) that is that is deep and then three is like even i don't know it makes me cry and uh i don't know it's a lot deeper than you'd expect for just toys walking around <laughs> well let me put you on the spot here doolin yes you weren't on last week's episode which okay. if you haven't listened to you absolutely should i have but i it's, want to know what great. you No, i'm talking to the audience i know you have i'm oh, talking okay. to the audience at this point but now i'm back to talking to you what would you what were your what would your answers have been for your favorite classic and modern disney oh, i i thought of mine after or while listening to the podcast i think um Old would be Toy Story, and modern, if it counts as modern, would be Tangled. Because yeah, Tangled is modern for sure. Tangled is yeah. like maybe the best. Toy Story was initially my answer before I swapped, but I was I really was happy like, when you said that. 
Yeah, and but then I I truly do think that two and three are better. So I was like, I feel weird putting one here when it probably is, but two and three are better. So I'd rather just put them. But the, you know, I don't know, whatever. But then I went with the Incredibles. Great pick, anyways, for me. Go Max. Good job. But, I love uh, the Incredibles too. Yeah, so good. Well, I'm very happy to hear your picks. Anything else on Toy Story? I uh, no. I we'll, we'll move on, or else I'm going to be on here for a long time talking about Toy Story. <laughs> Kenny, did you? No. Okay. <laughs> all right, moving on. Uh, this is going to be a pretty quick one for me. I picked one that I don't think either of you all have ever seen, and it's not one that I can dive into without getting into spoiler territory either. But I watched Mulholland Drive, which is considered to be David Lynch's masterpiece. Um, I think a lot of people like a lot of David Lynch films, but Mulholland Drive is the one that's probably the most commercially successful. And David Lynch is an interesting filmmaker, one that you definitely can't say is style over substance, but one that has a lot of style. And I think his movies don't necessarily have a concrete meaning. Um, now, I will say Mulholland Drive is the first of the, those films that I've seen, but I know some about his other films. Eraserhead is on our alphabet list that's coming up. And I know that a lot of his films are kind of ambiguous and open to interpretation. And he stated clearly in interviews that like he doesn't want to have to line it out to people. He wants other people to take their experience and formulate their own opinion. Like, People have asked him for years what Mulholland Drive means, and he's like, I'm not telling you because that's that's not the point. He's like, it's up to you to come up to whatever answer you want it to be because of what the movie made you feel. And in mm. my, my review on Letterboxd, it was very clearly like a, I said, this might be my most pretentious v- review ever, but sometimes it's not about what a movie means and more about how a movie makes you feel. Because I finished Mulholland Drive and I was like, I am. Like, I, Danielle started watching the second half with me because she just wanted to hang out, but she didn't see the first half. But, like, I was just commentating on it. And then it ended, and I said, what? <laughs> I'm just like, what <laughs> the heck? But the entire time, the entire time, I was just fully engrossed and fully on board with what was happening. Mm. And it's not necessarily an immediately satisfying ending. Like, it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, that's brilliant. It was like, holy crap, what, what did I just see? And then the more you think about it, you can put pieces together. And I know that I do not understand what Mulholland Drives me means in David Lynch's uh, attempt, like what he was attempting to to give off. But I know what it means to me and what I've got, like just from a bare bones, basic level understanding of this film. I think I could probably watch it 10 more times and pick up something new every time. But I at least know what it's about now. A, a day after viewing and reading and thinking, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I get it. But uh, again, I don't think style over substance because it has a lot of substance, but it's one of those that I could almost put in this category because it's just like atmospheric and about how it makes you mm. feel more than about I, what it is. I can't. I It's just me like wanting to know things, but I can't stand it when people are like, well, there's there's multiple meanings and I'm never going to tell you what I meant by it. It almost makes me think it's like you don't have one concrete answer to that, do you? <laughs> like, like you don't actually well, have an answer. I, I both disagree and agree with you. I, I'll agree that I don't think there is one concrete answer, but I also think that that's the intention. Mm. Like, I think there's well, a, then that's the answer. Right. Is what, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't think there is intended to be. This is what Mulholland Drive is. I think that he obviously has like ideas he wants. And he literally had, he included a pamphlet in the DVD physical copy of Mulholland Drive that says, 
10 clues to help you understand Mulholland Drive. And so David Lynch wrote 10 things for you to pay attention to through the movie to kind of grasp it better. But obviously he's not like saying this is what it's about. But I also just don't think that that's his intention. I don't, I don't even know that David Lynch knows exactly like what he thinks everyone should feel about it, but he just put on, on the screen what he feels about it and wants you to come to your own terms. I don't mind that at all. I think that we've talked about this a bit in the Discord, but if a film is ambiguous or a show, whatever, and what you get out of that is, wow, that writer had no idea where to go with that film, so he left it ambiguous, then that sucks. But I think there's a definite difference between something like 2001 A Space Odyssey or Mulholland Drive, where it ends and you're like, that's ambiguous. But I guarantee if I asked Stanley Kubrick or David Lynch about this, they could talk about it for hours about what they meant and why they left it ambiguous and stuff like that. Like, I think you can pretty mm-hmm. much tell when watching if it feels like it's just droning and there's no understanding at all, or if you feel like this was intentional. And that's mm-hmm. how I feel Mulholland Drive is like, it's not, he, it's not ambiguous because he didn't know where to go with it. It's ambiguous because that was his intention all along. Um, but I, I don't know. I very much enjoyed it. Danielle hated it. I know other people that love it and hate it. So <laughs> I took whatever. A, I took a picture. I took a screenshot because I couldn't help myself because I hopped on there and <laughs> oh, my four and a half next to her one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> perfect yeah i was like oh she only watched half the movie though right she only watched half the movie yeah okay okay so i did tell her like things that were happening but it's a very confusing movie even for someone who watched the whole thing so like i don't necessarily fault her now this is not a danielle movie if she sat down and watched the whole (laughs) thing with me it might get two and a half stars but it's never getting Mm. above that it's never getting above Mm. that i can tell you that much now i i wholeheartedly recommend you all to watch it and i will gladly lend you my copy since you don't come to my house to watch it and you can watch it on your own terms at your house but i will happily give that to you so someone else can watch mulholland drive and we can talk about it because i really liked it i'll take you up on that have you ever seen twin peaks no but it's same director right david lynch yes yeah, yeah and it was like it kind of like a phenom- phenomenon and like oh god it was like the 90s i think and it yeah. is it's very similar uh, vibe and feel of just like very ambiguous and just weird like the yeah, show i mean just... i think that's david lynch his his first yeah. feature film was Eraserhead, which though i haven't seen i know it's wild as <laughs> like it is gonna be so <laughs> wacky i know enough about it to know that this is just wild and he makes crazy films and mm. at the same time he seems really down to earth and cool in all his interviews like he seems like a real cool guy <laughs> I, I don't know I, I don't i don't know much about him personally but uh, I, I'm excited to to see what comes next. I, I wrote it. I wrote my review on Letterbox, and Mackie commented, and he said, "Welcome to David Lynch" or something like that. <laughs> Just like, yep, I'm in for a ride with this one. I know that for sure. But I couldn't recommend it enough. Not to say you're gonna love it, but I think I think you should absolutely see it. Alrighty, let's move on to our featured topic here, which is style over substance as a title. But I think before we even get into talking about the games that we have noted down as style over substance, I think we just want to talk briefly about style, substance, tabletop as a medium, and like how they all pertain to each other. Because it is a bit different when you talk about board games and films. Um, but what we're talking about in tabletop, at least, is like style is like your components and your art, and your substance is like Dude. the mechanics and how yeah. well the game actually is, which differs a bit, in my opinion, um, from film as a as a medium because 
in film as a medium, like you don't necessarily need a story like you, you do, but like a story doesn't have to be good for the director's intent to come through. Right. But I think that in a game, you, you need a game, right? Like you can't, so here's you can't the thing. just have, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think you and I might be a little bit like opposites in terms of your, like your view of board games versus your view of movies, because I think that I value a lot into the plot of a film, like, like the 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 story I walk away knowing, like if the visuals were cool, but the plot sucked, like in my mind, I'm walking away thinking this movie's bad. Uh, whereas like with games, I don't know, like a theme can disguise <laughs> a poorly made game in my mind. And I'll be like, yeah, but that I was at least I, I had a little bit of fun with that, even though it was not the most innovative game ever. Uh, its theme was cool. Uh, I, and it's weird because I, I agree with you that theme and art and all of this is still substance. But like what I value in a movie and a game changes, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I find that interesting because like for me personally, it's hard to even talk about because it's it's kind of abstract and totally subjective. Right. But like and the guy who came up with the, the idea for the podcast. Here, yeah. in here. <laughs> but like in a film. <laughs> I feel like visuals are a huge aspect of a film, right? Like, I mean, that is the medium, right? It is, it's not music. It's not, it's not something that's an entirely auditory experience. It is a, a combination of them. Whereas in games, I, I mean, what, what are the, what are like, crokinole, tack, chess, games, checkers, games that have no, no theme or art at all strictly the pieces to play them are still great and in a movie so i think i can't even give you an example of i'm trying to think of like a movie that has a good plot but its style is bad like i don't know i don't know of any that style are bad i mean i could tell you some that like don't have like a particularly engrossing style um, one could argue, I'm not going to make this argument because I think it is stylish, but one could argue something like 12 Angry Men, right? Oh, is yeah. That there's not no, a lot good. of like, there's not a lot of panache or style in that. Yeah. It's very chill or something like Coherence, <laughs> which I know none of you have ever seen, but like another film that has so much substance, but it's pretty budget and it like not very stylish. It's just a film. Like it's, it, it, it's true point of being a film is to convey the story, not be stylish and cool. I think like, yeah, I think like thing is like style in terms of cinema is you think of like the director's like uh, footprint, right? Like how do, how do they influence their own vision to create like something that is uniquely, because you know, you can be very mechanical about how you set up shots and how you make things look, right? But like, if you like take someone like Edgar Wright, like uh, there are certain aspects of his style that are just him right and influence everything about his film um so i think if he had someone else do it it might be something completely different um for for games though it it is like this very much different thing because like because a designer is only really going to influence the mechanics um because at a certain point like the art the components that's just going to be probably on the publisher um so it, it is quite a bit different so like in my mind at least for board games when i think about style it's really i i think about like 
the components, um, the art. I don't even think, I don't even consider theme as part of like the stylish part. Um, I don't know. Just, this just seems like a wholly separate thing for me. Yeah, I agree. They're two different beasts that are hard to really compare. And I still think that I, I enjoy this topic, but it is pretty abstract, right? Like it is pretty, oh, it's so subjective and abstract that like, we can say what movies have good or what movies have good components, what games have good components in art, and we can say what movies have good cinematography and editing and stylized choices. But bringing the conversation to a whole is not the easiest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but like, it's like one of the things like you know when you know, right? Like you can, right. like I like I look at all these games on this list, and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. This makes sense. This makes sense. Right. Um, and same thing with the movies too. But, but it's, it's hard just, to explain it. It's hard. To, yeah, it's hard to talk about. <laughs> so, so maybe it'd be easier if we just start talking about the games on the list. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Before that, though, I, podcast listeners, I want you to exp- I want to explain. Yeah, but no. <laughs> it, in in about thirty <laughs> seconds, I want to explain uh, what basically we're we're trying to convey, which is. Um, the captain of a ship was talking to all of his crewmates about the direction the ship was supposed to go, and none of the crewmates really understood exactly what the captain meant, and then the captain got sick before the boat went, and all of the crewmates are on the boat, and we're now trying to go uh, to our destination, and we're all the crewmates right now. Oh! (laughs) I was going to say, speaking of not knowing what you meant, I thought you were talking about, like, the topic, not... Kyle, <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was talking like, about Kyle in the in the podcast. I was like, wait, like and, are you saying the game designers, the captain of the ship, and the captain of the ship just left? I was like, I'm not following at all. Because in our private table nods chat on Discord, we none of us really quite agreed what any of this meant. And then the captain of the ship was like, I can't be there. Yeah. Earlier today, he was literally like, Wow, good topic, Kyle. Good topic. <laughs> He just left us. How rude. (laughs) Yeah, this is a good topic. Good job, Kyle. Thanks, Kyle, is what he said. (laughs) And now here we are trying to defend it, even without him. I do think it's a fun conversation to have. I think it's a difficult conversation to have. Yeah, I think it's a difficult conversation to have. Ultimately, boiling it down, we're talking about games and movies that we believe are incredibly stylish, whether that is in... Uh, as a detriment to their gameplay, like they focused too much on style and not enough on gameplay, or whether it's just they're super stylish and it still is a great game. Uh, but we're gonna we're we're gonna break that down now. Kenny, your first game, uh, my first game on the list, and yeah, but no, let's go back and talk a little bit more. I would say that <laughs> <laughs> before we go through, I would say like the, the uh, style of reception isn't the bad thing. Like I think a lot of these, Correct. a lot of these games on this list are great. Most of these movies on the list are great, um, but the first game on my list is not great. This is a instance where I think Dulin like, might fight you. Oh, let's go, Dylan. Um, where the the style over substance doesn't really work, and that's to Kaido. Um, this is a, a bit of an older game. I think at least ten years old now. Where you're basically uh, vacationers in Japan going, trying to have the best vacation possible. In Kaido, you're basically going along the path making stops along the way um and in each stop you're gonna like collect things whether it's memories maybe get some food um it's kind of like a big set collection game um and the art in the game is like impeccable it has really beautiful components 
Um, it has just like a really beautiful aesthetic too. It really leans into like, have you guys seen it? It's like really just like d- leans into like this really white, nice, like white um, theme where all the colors pop super mm-hmm. well, but man, is the game just boring. Um, I think <laughs> it's meant to be like a really nice, like lightweight game. Um, but I don't know. It's just always felt really flat for me. I think like the, the, the theme works a bit, but it's also just like, this is, I, I I never feel satisfied playing mm-hmm. the game, right? Um, I, I've heard that expansions like help improve it and stuff, but it is, and I can see it also being a game that can like bring people into the hobby because of the art, because of the production. But I don't know if it's the game that's going to like keep them go- coming back for more, um, based off that alone. So it shares a lot of the same DNA with uh, Parks by Keymaster Games, um, again. But I think like Parks has a lot more mechanics layered on top of it that actually make it a much more engaging game. Um, but Parks, I think, is also a game that also just has like great style and substance. Um, it's something game I, I enjoy quite a bit more. So I do agree that it's pretty striking. It's got the like entirely white box with the pop in the center of all the color. Um, but yeah, never, never played it. Not, not really that interested. But Takanook is also a good, good pull for this too. Like it is, like it is such a beautiful game. I think it does, does like a lot of stuff mechanically pretty well. But it is, I think like it is a game that has stood around, stuck around for so long because of the production, because of right. the art, just because of like how enticing it is. So this game I have gotten and I got with a lot of hope and then I played it uh two or three times and then quickly got rid of it because i realized it was just not for me uh this is dead men tell no tales by kane Klenko, who uh i've said many times that i like his games um but this one was not uh a hit for me and uh on the surface uh here is the like theme slash what all of the art is around uh sounds really interesting the there are two pirate ships that are going up against each other one is controlled by a uh undead pirate who is trying to stop you from stealing uh his booty and so uh he has come to destroy you and uh your boat is or actually the boat that you are stealing from is slowly being set on fire and is uh like think in that vein kind of like nemesis where if enough uh fire tokens are on the board then you lose uh but on top of that you have to defeat a certain number of pirate captains to get their gold and then you have to get off the ship before it explodes just all of that in and of itself sounded really cool to me but this game had a really cool idea and style behind it but the substance and the meat of the game uh, the the actual mechanics of the game is mainly you just running around a ship playing firefighter. Uh, there's not a lot of moments where you're actually fighting anything, and uh, most of the things come down to a die roll that are uninteresting. Um, and then the rest of the game kind of feels like a bad pandemic system, at least in my mind. I don't know. This game felt like there was a lot of thought and a lot of love poured into the uh idea behind the game but then the actual mechanics of the game are just not good (laughs) if that makes sense and i hope uh if kyle were here he'd be able to explain to me why that is or is not on theme 
for our podcast, but I think that that fits <laughs> style over substance, at least in my mind. No, uh, I think you're right. And it's a Kane Clanko game that doesn't have a timer. Like yeah, he's really he good does, at games right? with timers, and there's no pandemic timer. rapid response, fuse. Yeah. What else he got? Flatline, flatline. But Dylan doesn't like flatline. I do like flatline. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> Since oh, I not okay. like flatline. Never mind. <laughs> I, I like. I think I. I think you thought that because I said I like fuse a little bit more, but I. I like flatline. I, I didn't really pick games that I. I didn't really pick one that I don't like, but I'll pick the one that I like less first. Oh no! If that makes sense. Oh no! It's not that bad. No, no, no. I changed them, Dylan. Don't feel bad. This is oh, okay. this is Shoot. Dice Throne, and I'm probably gonna get a lot of a lot of comments on this one. I think Dice Throne is a perfectly fine, good, even game, but I do think that it is basically one v one Yahtzee, and then they made everything really pretty yeah. and gave you really pretty dice and cool characters to play as. What's wrong with Yahtzee? Nothing. <laughs> but it's not like I'm just messing it's with not, you. It's, it's not it's not to me, okay, so he, ultimately this is what it boils down to. When I've played Dice Throne, I'm not a huge fan. I've only played it several times. I again think it's a perfectly fine, good even game. But when I play it, a lot of my turns are me rolling my dice and be like, oh, I got this one. Let's use it. It's my turn. Oh, I got this one. Let's use it my next turn oh i have to reroll one time but i got this one let's use it like to me and maybe it's a me thing maybe it's a me thing it's almost a game that just plays itself like i don't find myself making many decisions except for the rare occasion or two where it is really impactful what i'm doing Uh, i do think as the games have gotten bigger for example with the marvel dice throne um, they added in, I think, again, pretty not not pretty experienced, not very experienced with Marvel or with Dice Throne, but they added in a lot of like tokens and unique abilities that I do think gives you more to play with, right? More substance. Mm-hmm. Your character has more to do. Um, but there are characters like, for example, Black Panther, which is meant for um, like a, it's a beginner level character. And I, a, I love that there is uh, different levels of characters and complexities for people that don't want to do anything complex or people that want the easiest possible option. But like for Black Panther. He really only has like two, maybe three abilities and tokens. And like, they're kind of just there, like passive things. Like, oh, I got this. I put it on. I block some damage. Like, I don't know. I just don't feel like I do a lot in Dice Throne. It's very pretty. It's very cool. It's fun to roll the dice, but that's almost where it ends, which is why I feel like, to me at least, it fits in a game that has a lot of flair and style. But when I come to actually playing it, there's not a lot there. I, I do want to clarify, I like Dice Throne. I just don't love it. Gotta say, hate it. Noted. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but I actually agree with you. I think like a lot of the appeal and joy I get out of Dice Throne is the components, right? That it's just like, it's such a beautifully made game that like, you know, you get your little box of your character and you get all the little dice and tokens and you get the beautiful art laid out in front of you. And you get to play like a, a fun game of Yahtzee of a dueling Yahtzee, which I it's I think it's like you said it's still fun, but it's not like I mean unless like you're super into like the the strategy of it all, it's not like super deep, but it's still mm-hmm. a pleasing and fun game. But I think a lot of that's because of just the production, the art, all that stuff that just creates like a something that's 
stronger than the whole, right? Yeah. Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that have made games that are like dueling Yahtzee, but mm -hmm. Dice Throne is the one that stuck around because of like the production and the components and the art. So the style, yeah, the style, yeah. Uh, it, it's not that deep. Like the characters that I've played with, at least because I only have the season one stuff. It, like it, if I play some more complex characters i think there's a little bit more there but it's it, it's not a whole lot more you're absolutely right about that i think this can like kind of an mo of just like roxley in general um they they tend to make like games that are a bit more they're not kind of like in the light light to medium level all the um, listeners just, are saying uh kenny brass right now oh wait, okay well that's not that's not even the design though right it's not Ish. but it is a roxley yeah. game um, so a game I thought of, the, of this list but didn't dare put on, but I'm going to talk about right now, is Radlands. Um, I think Radlands is a game that has a lot, a lot of style. But it is, like, beautiful art. Like, it is just, it leans into that neon, like, uh, aesthetic of, like, post-apocalyptic super well. But, like, the times I've played it, it's just kind of fallen flat. Like, it, hmm. the, all the set pieces are there to make, like, a fun game, but, like, no, nothing really connected or just, like, uh, has really like made for like a really engaged like it's just like it always felt like so one-sided and that it yeah i don't know it's it was something game i probably need to play more but it it really rang true for me that that is like a game of uh style over substance interesting i think that you're right but i do think that there i think i think there is substance but i think there's plenty more like style yeah i think i think uh, and and this this works for dice throne too but even especially more for radlands in my opinion because i actually do quite enjoy radlands and i think there's quite a bit more decision making and meat on the those bones uh, of gameplay that i have to decide what i'm doing but these are examples that we're talking about like certain movies that are coming up where they're very heavily stylized so much so that we would we would weight them 70 percent style, style over 30 yeah, percent yeah. substance but that's not to say they lack substance and they're bad yeah. games because of it or they're bad movies because now maybe you feel that way, Kenny. I'm, I'm not trying to discount your opinion, but like for me, Radlands is a style over substance game. Absolutely. But it is not to the level of something like how you describe Takeda or even how I describe Dice Throne. Like it is so stylized, but there is more substance there, at least for me, than some others that we've already mentioned. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I just I was assuming Kitty might have a rebuttal for that, but no, no, sure didn't. Sure didn't. Me too. No. I, I was waiting. I, I was uh, thinking in my head. I was gonna say ding dong, you're wrong, but I don't want to say that. So. Oh, you should have <laughs> say it. I'll yeah. edit it. Well, no, I don't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Kitty, is that your number two game? Uh, it's not. No, no, it's not. Okay, I That's thought, a bonus. Well, okay, so you have three games that you. Yeah, he's cheating. I really, I've I've wow. talked about four at this point. I'm Kenny. just really laying down the hate. We even talked about Takenoko. If there's one thing I know about Kenny on these podcasts is that he just won't stop talking. <laughs> yes, yeah, fair. And you know what? I'm going to keep on talking, but talk about my second game, and this is going to probably rally you up. You mean your fifth that, game? Fifth game, that's true. Uh, <laughs> and that game is Zombicide. Uh, and just kind of talk about Zombicide in general. Um, I don't know if you'll agree with this, Dylan, because like, Zombicide is kind of like a vapid game. Like, it's it's kind of it's a dumb game right you're you're just it's a ultimate can you like, define vapid for me uh it is without thought um it's probably like <laughs> that is a that coffee work. table game yeah i don't know it, it's not a game with like great style right i think that art's nice it has like of course like incredible crazy minis 
but like you know the game itself Did you is just say zombicide has a great style i think it, well I, I said i think the art's nice right do you like the art i like the art yeah and i um, like the themed ones a lot yeah like and i think like they do a good job in that regard but it's also a game that this game of uh kickstarter access right like there's just so much there's yeah. just so much uh stuff to pull from and play with and that might fall into the substance category but um i don't know zombicide is like the ultimate like uh beer and pretzels game just roll dice you know decision your decisions matter to a degree but also not really Uh, i think this kind of really is (laughs) extra true for something like black plague um where the, the it's just not super finely tuned in terms of like difficulty level uh like we played with like uh undead or alive that was quite hard mm-hmm. so i think like if once they've kind of like t- dialed in the difficulty level um the substance is much more there because there's an actual like um feeling of failure that can happen um but like i think some of the earlier zombicides and black plague which is probably their most popular one at this point um that never really uh felt true like it just kind of felt like a escalating power fantasy of like just getting stronger and stronger and then you just you're killing everything I don't, I don't, okay, I don't disagree with you. I I think you're, I, I'm going to pull a max here. I think your opinion's fine, um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's not great, but it's fine. Uh, I and I, I think personally, I guess it just depends on what we define as substance, which is completely subjective to each person. Uh, but like, to me, uh, that game is full of substance, in my opinion, like getting you to that feeling like i've never felt more like a game has adapted a game i grew up playing like left for dead on uh xbox uh more like uh, there's like the the objectives that change every time and uh the uh like the substance of having so many different types of zombies that all do different kinds of things and um i think you're right i think that they've gotten better over time uh in terms of adding to that substance but i don't know i'm I, I i sat here and i thought and i was like i i don't know if i would like zombies are so overdone now but at the same time i love zombies uh would i say that the style is over the substance of that game and i i think i would i don't know yeah i guess it's more like there's just not like it like like max kind of pointed out like with dice throne like it's a game that kind of like plays itself right um I, like, sense, I, yeah i i don't think that's true for like their newest more recent iterations but like black plague i definitely felt that like it's there there comes a point like where you're so strong um and that the like in game for sure needs mm-hmm. some work in black plague <laughs> yeah so i i think in that regard like a game that plays itself is very much like this feeling of like the substance really just isn't there so yeah i think this is one of the more difficult ones to discuss um just because i think it is kind of right on that cusp like i agree with you but at the same time i can't commit to that like i think you <laughs> are probably right but i'm not gonna sit here and be like yeah zombicide doesn't have any substance because like obviously that's not true but like i think i agree that there's just so much stuff and the art is nice and the minis are what really like if we're counting minis as style which i think they are i think they are yeah. an aspect of style um yeah that like yeah there's such an abundance of that that sometimes the game is the afterthought right like you're there to play with cool minis you're not there to decide 
I really need to go into this route. I need to go left instead of right here really badly. It's just you're just there to like roll dice and play with cool fancy minis. So I think I agree with you, but this is certainly one of the more conflicting ones in my opinion. Yeah, and just to clarify as well, like I love Zombicide. Like I own like at least Clearly you hate it. Yeah, well like, true. Um I <laughs> I own way too much of it. I'm very excited for Marvel Zombies. But like I, I oh, yeah. it's just it's a game I'm I know that it's just like this is silly, but it yeah. is fun, right? Yeah. You know and that's perfectly um, fine. They Yeah, it's pretty fun. We yeah. <laughs> this is again, we do not necessarily dislike games or movies that are style over substance. That is not the point of this is to drag things that are flashy without a plot or without a game. That's not the point. We're just debating things that are very stylish more so than necessarily the bones of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think there's something too like games where you can just kind of train your brain off and play. Yeah. Like it's cuz I think the Zombicide is it's a game too that is like can play high player counts. And it's just like a game you can just kind of um, play with your table, play at the table, while ha- almost have like having side conversations. On with. Tuesday, and I think that's great. We played City of the Great Machine, and Kenny and I got absolutely slaughtered. And there was a clear, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The air in that room was bitter. <laughs> and then we pulled out uh, Anomia. Strike. Oh yeah, and then yeah, yeah. we pulled out strike, and like we barely had to use our brains for those, but they were a True. great time. It's just there's nothing wrong with games that aren't pretty, and there's nothing wrongs with wrong with games that aren't heavy, at all. They each have their place, um. But yeah, sometimes you just need some strike to clearly clear your head, get you in the right head place again. All right, Doolin. Explain this one to me because I am very okay. curious on this. I one. think I think you're gonna end up agreeing with me on I, this one. Uh, not that I rarely okay, do. So this is also uh, something that we have to talk about because um, I think I'm gonna bring up something real quick. You know that Jeff, our our buddy, good buddy Jeff, who was on the last podcast, hates Edgar Wright films, yeah. but I think he would agree that Edgar Wright films had a, have a very specific style. Like we're going to talk about that later. Uh, I think he would agree with that last night on earth <laughs> is the game I'm <laughs> going to bring up by flying frog productions. Their games have a very specific style to them. And then specifically last night on earth has a very specific style to it. That is purposeful and have, has definitely had a lot more thought put into it than the the game itself um in fact i think the purpose of the game uh is to make you feel like you're in this b or like really really low budget horror zombie film uh rather than being this really complex push and pull fair game uh because i think there you're definitely gonna have some times where the zombies just run over you and there's definitely going to be times where the humans just do really really well that's just the way the game is but the purpose of the game is not to have this really really complex mechanical like deep one versus mini game and way more about the style of the game which is like even in the cover which all of all of <laughs> all of table nuts i think except me thinks the cover is just trash uh but it looks like a really like poor like budget zombie film 
and I love it. I I don't know. It, it's like the uh, the Ant Man's daughter thing where she has the little like gift from him, <laughs> and she's like, "It's so ugly. I love it." <laughs> like that's definitely me with this game. Um, and like even the card art, uh, and everything about the cards has to do with like zombie tropes and uh, you, like the zombie can play a card if a human. Uh, or two humans are in the same spot. It's like, it's our last night on Earth. So now those two guys can't move anymore because just like in most horror films, there's a sexy scene. And so they're stuck together doing that. And then uh, unnecessary self-sacrifice where obviously one hero is going to do something dumb uh, and uh, like all of these different things. I just love because it makes you feel like you're in that. And I think it's a definitely, at least in my opinion, a case of style over substance uh, in and in my opinion, done right. Um, but I don't know. Max, do you agree or no? I like that you preface it by saying um, your example at the beginning is very true because I think there is a lot of style in this game, but it, it's bad style. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, bad styles also can be bad style over substance, right? I don't know. Um, I've never played Last Night on Earth, but I, I, I see what you feel, what you're putting down. Like it, It is a game that's trying to evoke a feeling more than anything else so i think it kind of comes at the cost of everything else you know yeah i i wasn't sure that i'd be convinced in fact i was quite sure i wouldn't be convinced when you first started talking about it but you know in my head when i think of style i think of pretty (laughs) and yeah yeah cool and flashy and this is not that at all but you can have bad style. Yeah, you've convinced me that it is a purposeful <laughs> choice. Choice. Yeah, yeah. That is a style <laughs> of like a crappy B movie. And I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> I think that that is it's I think that the being the being the feeling of a crappy B movie is is last night on earth's goal. And I think that mm-hmm. that is accomplished more so because of the style than the actual gameplay itself not to say that mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't also accomplish it in its gameplay but i think that uh i didn't think you'd get me there but i think you did i will i will <laughs> i will give you that that i do think the last night on earth is style over substance that doesn't mean it's great but it is style over substance and now I'm really interested to hear your one, and and you convince me why this is style over substance. Oh, that's interesting. You don't like immediately think this is style over substance? No, I love the substance of this game. That that's not the that's not the argument we're having, Doolin. Let's oh, not I know, get it but twisted. I think I I think I care more about the the gameplay than I do the style of this game. Kenny, what, do you what think? game are you talking about? Veiled Pain. You, you should probably talk, this is Veiled yeah. Pain. <laughs> I was just wanting to see what you had to say first. Yeah. So but but I'm willing to listen. Studios. Well, Convince that's interesting me. though to me because like to me this isn't like this was an instant thought that came to mind. Like, mm. oh, Veiled Fate, definitely style over substance. And that's not to say that there is no substance, but like it it's it's a game I, I like Veiled Fate. It is a game that you could literally never look at your card and find out what color you are. And still do just fine or poorly who knows because it is such an interesting game 
that it's really, really difficult to like play a perfect game of Veiled Fate, right? Like someone moves you somewhere you want to know, you accidentally give up your position, whatnot. But like, I truly feel like you could almost play Veiled Fate without knowing who you are, not well necessarily, but like the substance to me is an undertone of the flair of the beautiful board and the art and the box and everything else that's going on, which is all very like enrapturing. And then the gameplay is, I kind of consider Veiled Fate like a, like a beer and pretzels game. Like you can take it quite seriously if you want to, but I mean, I never have, I don't think I've ever won either though. So maybe that's a me problem. (laughs) But, like, I don't know. I've always just kind of played Veiled Fate really, really fast and loose. And never, re- and I, I still very much like it, but I've never really given much thought to, like, how much substance there is in the actual gameplay itself. And maybe I'm wrong, but this was an instant thought for me. Yeah, I would disagree. <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. I, I, I think I think there's quite a bit of substance to the game because the substance comes from the people at the table. But that's right? not the, that's not the argument. Just, Let's not get it twisted. That's not well, the argument. Well, no, no, no. Oh. But I mean, the thing is, like, I think Ivy Games in general just has such great style. They have such great aesthetics right. they put into each into the game. Like, it, like Moonrakers Two is a game that it kind of pops in mind. But I think there's a lot of substance there too. But like, they've put so much effort into like making those games look good and have like a specific feel and i think this also is the same thing here in veiled fate so i think that held, holds up there right but yeah i mean I when mean, i think of the four iv studios games i think they all have immaculate style and to me yeah. veiled fate has the least substance well i i, I can't i can't I, I can't get on that boat with you what do you but, think yeah i'm actually surprised like i'm not uh, this isn't like a you're wrong because i'm interested yeah, yeah, yeah. because no, i'm I mean, just uh, genuinely surprised we're that we're all at a like none of us can really say you're wrong until we have Kyle on the podcast which won't happen so um I, I'm sorry Kyle I, I just love bringing that back um but for me I don't know because you guys know by now that this is like top 10 top maybe top five I think it is top five games of all time for me and for me it, the the substance like the gameplay itself matters way more to me and like i forget sometimes how beautiful that game is uh until we pull it out and i'm like oh holy cow like this is actually really well produced but like i love the the pokery feel like uh like am i am i this person am i not almost almost literally like you're playing blackjack around a table uh but with these colorful pieces and um i don't know i i i love ivy studios a lot i think that they have de- they have come to be this company known for really really good style. Uh, so I don't think that that like you're far off, Max. I would I would maybe even just put Ivy Studios as an answer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, no, itself, it's, but like I, uh, yeah. I I think at least for me, uh, I I value the the substance of this game more than the style. But uh, that's not to say that your opinion is wrong. You're allowed to think that way. <laughs> I think like a thing too is like, like Veiled Fate is a game like where you, you you can lose control of that game real quick, right? Because so much out of it is just out of your control. So I can see playing it like a beer and pretzel game, like if playing real loosey goosey, I think is makes sense. But I do think at the same time, like the people at the table are going to make and shape that experience of like 
how it feels and like what is what is the mind games that are happening at the table um and like what is going on in everyone else's heads to figure out what are they doing and why are they doing it that's what i love about the game um i think that adds so much to it even though like mechanically it is very simple you know yeah and maybe that's my fault for because i i agree with that and maybe that's my fault for looking at like putting it in a maybe that's my fault for looking at it in a vacuum the mechanics of the actual game and what you can do on the table as the substance without considering that the substance is also included with like the table talk and the mind games and stuff like that. Cause you're right. It is the, the game is what generates that. Right. So like it should be, it should be credited for creating that. Um, so I do think that you're right. I still, though, I'm curious to hear, this is kind of off topic. Not really though. So I, I do agree with you. I agree with you. Maybe it was, an incorrect pick by me, but I'm happy to have picked it for this conversation to be started. But I am curious because I find it very difficult. Like, what would you say is the least substance Ivy studio game? Cause like, Oof. to me, you look at mythic mischief and you look at Moonrakers, and those are like, to me easily ahead. And then you've got uh what, what's it called? The new one that's coming out. Fractured, Fractured sky. sky that I, I would still put ahead of a veiled fate as far as like, and I, I think we even mentioned that in our view that like, I mentioned it at least, not say that you had to agree with me, but that like Veiled Fate is a more like mind gamey or not not necessarily more mind gamey game. I don't even know how to say it, but like I think that Fractured Sky is similar to Veiled Fate with more to do, which to me I would I would I equate that as more substance, but that's not necessarily true. That's just what I think. So I wouldn't say that this makes the game have the least substance, but if I was gonna bring up one that I think fits this just because I love the style and the thought that got put into this game, uh, Mythic Mischief uh, easily has more style over substance in my mind. Like, I think that the the art and the, uh, like, just the feeling of being these characters, and I, I don't know, it's 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 neat uh, and a lot more important to me than the, the chess-like game. That's tough, though. That's a really, like, honestly, Ivy Studios has a lot of, like, I love Ivy Studios so much. They have a lot of substance and style. Mm-hmm. No, I think games. I agree. Yeah, I I don't think I can't answer this, Max. It's too hard. <laughs> Good question, though. I really I think that this is such an interesting because it is so abstract and subjective. It's very it's very fun to hash this out with you, and mm-hmm. and realize that we all I, kind of interpret it in different ways too. Yeah. Can I ask you, like, and this is not saying that this game doesn't have substance. It has probably some of the most substance I've seen in games but I love the style of this game a lot. Would you say that Root is a style over substance game? No, I wouldn't. Okay. I think it, 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 I think think it does have you. a lot of style, but I think that I think game leader is, games in general has just a beautiful, yeah, like Kyle Farron. Agreed, Ugh. but you give that, you give me, and, and you could make the same argument with Veiled Pape, so I get it. You give me cubes of Root, and it's still going to be a good time. Yeah, And you yeah. can do that with Veiled Pape. You just give me cubes and a circular board with numbers on it. I don't really need the art and stuff. So it's hard to, it is, it is quite difficult. Um, but no, I don't think that I would say that root is style over substance. I think it's got so much substance, <laughs> but. All right. This brings us to an entirely different topic. Yeah, same topic, <laughs> which but is very different. Style <laughs> over substance in movies. In cinema, what? baby. I, I I hear Max that you have a big diatribe you want to go on and uh, talking about well we've already hashed it out actually as it relates so okay, I okay. really just wanted to make clear and we already have that like 
I kind of think that saying something is style over substance is like pretentious, right? Like, oh, that movie sucks because it's just stylish and there's no plot. And I think it was very interesting to talk about it in the in the realm of games because I do think that they're a little different. I do think that they they can be interpreted and consumed quite differently. But you look at movies, and movies is is a form of media that takes so many things and puts it into one, right? It takes a book, like the story from a book, a novel. It takes music as a score. It takes acting on the screen. It takes the actual colors. It takes the aspect ratio and the lenses of the cameras that you use, and all of those create the movie. So to me, I think it's a pretentious statement to be like, oh, that movie was style over substance. But at the same time, I think that that can be true while also just recognizing that that's perfectly okay. And I think we've already hashed that out enough throughout the course of this podcast. Like I wasn't sure if we were, so I put a bullet point here that I wanted to bring that up to make a, make this clear that we're not saying that movies that have more style than substance are in here inherently inferior. That is not my goal here at all. I think we all love no. very stylish films and we all love very substance heavy films. I think we can, you can be on both ends of that spectrum. So that was mostly all I wanted to talk about, but I do think movies and cinema as a whole is pretty unique in a media that can just, it is so many things in one. Yeah. I think in my head and this, this will definitely come up with my picks um, style over I'm going to change the wording. I'm going to say it's style and like direction over story and meaning. Like these are movies in my mind that focus a lot more on just being flashy and exciting rather than really caring about what you come away with or having a cohesive plot. There's maybe even plot holes in here, (laughs) like like stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, so like for you, like, it's a negative connotation. Uh, no, because sometimes I don't care if it has like a deep plot or meaning. I just want like, do you want me to go with my first pick, which is a five out of five for me? Yeah, let's hear yes. it. All right. My my first pick is Mad Max Fury Road, which uh, the story of this is interesting, but like the plot doesn't really matter. Like I could see Mad Max and Furiosa drive that car anywhere and do anything. And it would be fun and exciting because of the way it's shot and the way, uh, like just how deep and engrossing the, uh, the theme and the, the music and like, like the, the, you know, what makes absolutely no sense having a dude playing guitar strapped to the top of a car with giant like speakers behind him, but you know what? I love every single time I see it, that scene where he's like, like fire shoots out. Like it's exciting <laughs> and fun and I love it. And it's amazing. And it definitely is style over substance, but the style is a 10 out of 10. And I would watch that movie every day uh, and two times on Sunday. You want to so. come over and watch it tomorrow? Yes. <laughs> I, w- I want to I see that movie every day of my life. I love that. I movie. very much agree that Mad Max Free Road is style over substance. And I also agree. It's not it's not a it's not a negative. This is a great movie. Um, there are going to be people that hate it because of that. Danielle hates yeah. this movie. And, and I think it's in part because she hates the guitar player. She's like, why? <laughs> That's so stupid. Because it's and awesome. Like, I get it. But yeah, if you're if you're into that, 
the style of this movie, the flair, the extravagance being shown on screen is just, it's a ride, for lack of a better term, where mm-hmm. you're just along for it and you're like, wow, this is cool. I forgot, what, where are they going again? What's that person's name? I don't know, <laughs> but he looks cool as it's just one of those things like it's all i look at I, that bad guy he's ugly yeah. af what is this all about i couldn't even tell you but i had a good time <laughs> yeah i think it's a good movie to highlight the idea of it's almost like the rule of cool for movies mm-hmm. like mm. is that cool that let's let's keep it in i, lo- I love it right mm-hmm. um and it doesn't doesn't have any uh pertinence to the plot or even like furthering the characters or the setting just this is a cool thing to have in the movie so let's let's keep it mm-hmm. in and I, I think that's a bit you can i, I can definitely see that in mad max so absolutely yeah great great pick i think that is a, a prime example now you have to follow it up though kitty uh, so my movie um and you know neither, neither have you seen but it's also about cars and it's the movie drive um, i was actually talking about this with my wife tonight and she said instantly the first movie that popped in her head was oh you, you, are you gonna talk about drive i'm like yeah um <laughs> So Drive is a movie about, it shares a lot of DNA with like a baby driver, which is basically about a wheelman who is just, you know, might be a good guy, might be not, who's kind of caught up in, who gets in over his head and, you know, how all that rolls out. Um, I think this is a really good instance of a style over substance because the movie is just like vibes all the way through, like has this uh, the synth wave uh, soundtrack that kind of like, Goes throughout the movies, I think is excellent. Um, and just really cements the feel of the movie of like being in, I don't know, like downtown LA driving late at night. And there's just so many shots of that that just create like this really strong feel. But like, I think the most striking thing about the movie is that the character, the main character that Ryan Gosling plays, um, doesn't really even have a name. Uh, his, his, in the credits, his call, his name is Driver. They call him <laughs> the kid. And that's, that's about as the best as he gets. He's almost like this vessel for the audience to kind of step into because like he, he's, he's almost like socially awkward. Doesn't really say a lot. It, it's one thing you have to watch it, I guess, to, to really get the full extent of it. But, uh, the character is barely a character in a, in a way. So like in terms of like the substance of it, I do think there's like a lot of like overarching things in it in drive that do help propel it to be like a really good movie. And one I, one I quite like a lot, but there's like a certain amount of, I think what the director was going for is really just trying to make a vibe and a feeling for the movie that kind of like is placed above all else. Um, hmm. In terms of like comparing some like baby driver to like, I think there's, I don't know. I think like this is a movie that feels more tense, um, has better, vibes <laughs> the well baby <laughs> driver is one that is just is it's maybe a bit more fun um and may, maybe has a bit more going on character wise but yeah i'm actually pretty interested in watching this one um did you you liked it enough i mean no i i, I really oh, like okay, drive good i really yeah, really yeah i i I, um, I really like ryan gosling um I, I don't know how much i've seen him in honestly but like i'm stoked for barbie i've seen him in la la land which i love i know that's controversial here on this podcast but um i'm very happy <laughs> to check out more films with him in it just to see and i know drive is is fairly well received at least 
I always get it confused with Crash, which people consider is to be the worst uh, <laughs> Best Picture winner of all time, kind That's of. That's the sequel. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, every time I hear those, I'm like, which one is this again? Is this the bad one or is this the one with Ryan Gosling? Like, I can never remember. But yeah, his jacket looks cool, too. Yeah, but the thing is, though, I think Drive is, like, incredibly divisive. Like, again, I was talking to my wife about it. She's like, I hated that movie. And I'm like, you know what? I get it. I can totally see why I hate that yeah. movie. Just because they're... The emphasis in the movie is just not what is usually people mm. expect. Every time a I movie, watch a movie with Danielle, we're like, yeah. She's like, I hate that movie. I'm like, yeah, I get it. It's just like, <laughs> every, every single movie we watch, it's just <laughs> every, like, every one, one of them. <laughs> well, you're, you're watching some pretty challenging movies too, man. You're not so wrong. I keep that you're not mind. wrong. Yeah. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But the drive, I love. It's, it, is, it is like a very vibe heavy, just, it, it, but I think it does it so well. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a soundtrack is one of my favorite like movie soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Um, it just sells sells the the feeling and the the theme of the movie super well. So nice. I'm gonna kind of cheat here, and when I say that, I mean I've I've literally not finished this movie yet. I am. There's no rules here, I Max. Know, the, I know. the captain of the ship <laughs> is here. Fair. So before our, the recording of our podcast tonight, there's been a film that I've wanted to see for quite some time. And I realized that it's streaming with ads on Tubi. And I was like, oh, I've never used Tubi before. Let me show that. So I went, I found it and I was like, oh, great. I can watch this film that I've really wanted to watch. And I think might be in contention for our podcast discussion tonight. So I actually ran out of time before we started recording to finish it. There's about 15 minutes left. Um, but it is unquestionably a style over substance film. And this is Suspiria, uh, directed by. Uh, Dario Argento. Um, this is an Italian horror film from the 1970s, I believe. Kind of experimental horror. Uh, it's it, it almost it took me out of it at the start. I'll fully admit because it is uh, actually I don't know if it's fully or or mostly, but it is predominantly dubbed, which is apparently a, a common thing for this era of Italian cinema where some people on set spoke English, some people on set spoke Italian, so they just didn't record the audio, and they just dubbed it over later with them speaking English. And uh, it's, it's kind of... It removes you from it a bit, because it's very clearly dubbed in, in sections, and you're like, oh, that's... Ugh, I don't know how I feel about this, but you, you get past it, you get past it, and you know maybe it's just part of the charm of this era of of uh, Italian films. But this is a movie that is just told to- totally, wholly style over substance. I couldn't even. It's I can tell you a few words, and it is that there is a dancer at a dance academy, and there's a maybe it's haunted. There's a witch or something. Stuff's going wild. There's. I don't want to get too much into spoilers. Not that I think any of you all are going to watch it, but maybe someone on the podcast or some listener will. But like, I don't know the story here. But at the same time, this is one of the most striking films I've ever seen with one of the most interesting and suspenseful, intense scores that I've ever listened to. Um, it is what I would describe as a colorful nightmare. It is kind of dreamlike, almost added to by the fact that it's dubbed because it's kind of like weird, right? 
it kind of takes you out of it. It feels a little bit dreamy that you can tell that their mouths aren't quite moving exactly when the voice is happening. And it almost adds to that element to an extent. Um, the, the primary colors used in this film are absurd. The reds in this film are, it is just like the most vibrant thing I've seen in ages. And it is so pretty to look at some of the obviously some of the cinematography and like the sets and everything are just stunningly beautiful it is all about the mood it is entirely atmospheric i don't know that the story in this maybe it'll make sense when it's over but it's certainly not why you watch this movie which is why i think much like mad max fury road it is an obvious candidate for this discussion as a movie that if I if I decide to watch this movie again and it is so pretty that I almost want to buy the 4K going back to the intro of this podcast but like it's not because wow that was a cool story it's because holy cow I just want to hear that that the score by Goblin which is an Italian rock band um or I want to see those colors as vibrant as can be and those set pieces and whatnot and it's just like I'm not returning to this film because I thought the story was cool. I'm returning this film for all the other aspects that are stylish. And again, in my argument, make up substance, especially in the media film. But yeah, super interesting movie, but one that you don't go to for a good story. You just go to, to see what an incredible achievement of filmmaking back then, as far as like unique use of colors and score and stuff like that. So I, I would wholly recommend it to you because you can find it on Tubi for free with ads uh, and it's only 98 minutes or something like that. So like, I definitely think you should check it out, but don't go in being like, this is going to be an excellent story. Just go in being like, hey, I'm here to watch it. It's going to be cool because it will be. It will be cool. Did, did you watch it with ads? Yeah. Wait, what? That's the only <laughs> way to watch it. You gave me so much crap for watching yesterday. Yeah, that's movie. because you watched it on HBO oh, ads. with ads, and it's Hereditary. Hereditary is an actually scary movie. If an ad popped up in the middle of Hereditary, I would be so taken out of that film. It's not even funny. Nah. But again, it's a much needed break. I don't think Suspiria is is scary, <laughs> nor do I care about like what's happening. His ad break pops up. I was like, oh, cool. That's fine. As soon as the ad breaks over, I'm returned to this colorful nightmare of a world and I get to watch it unfold. It's I don't care about being scared when I'm watching Suspiria. I don't care about the story. So the ads don't bother me in this case. Maybe it's hypocritical, but I was fine with it in, in the case of Suspiria. So download Tubi and you can watch <laughs> it yourself for free with ads and I won't give you any over it. I almost brought up Barry Lyndon, which is another Stanley Kubrick film that I think is fantastic. But, like, it's all about, like, the ride and the style. It's, I mean, it is, there is a story there, much more than Suspiria, maybe. But, like, it's about the journey, not the ending. And it didn't really matter what the story was about, more that I was just kind of following along Barry Lyndon's life. And it was cool. It wasn't necessarily a grand scheme or heist or anything at play. It was kind of, I'm seeing these beautiful frames and colors and pictures and all that. Yeah, I think like one of the things but I think is kind of like revealing itself as we talked about this is the idea that like um for a movie to have substance it has to has a point has to have a point. Um and it seems like does Suspiria you feel have a point? 
Like, do you walk away going, oh, this is what they're trying to get across? Or is just, this was just a wall of like visuals and sounds that um, I can walk away from going, that was nice. This is a hard question to answer because I think the point is to be a really stunningly beautiful film. If you're saying if you're if you're asking me do I think da- uh, do I think that Dario Argento went into this like with a script that he thought was going to knock people's socks off? No, no, I can't imagine he did. I don't think that the plot is the point. I think the movie has a point. I don't think the plot is the point. Yeah, again, I don't think it's the, the idea of a plot having a point, but does the movie have a point? You walk away going, "Oh, that's what they're trying to do." I guess. Yeah, I walk away being like, "Wow, he was trying to make a." stunningly bright colorful tense horror film not because of the story but because of the the feel and the atmosphere and the 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 style does that answer your question or does that make things even more confusing if i was a teacher i'd give you like a b minus i'll take it yeah that's better than what i did in normal school (laughs) (laughs) c's good degrees (laughs) yeah anyways now that we've talked about that, what's your next film, Kenny? Or person? Uh, so we're just going to go with the person, a director, just his body of work, and that is Zack Snyder. Um, so I think Zack Snyder kind of rose to fame with the movie 300, mm-hmm. um, which is based off a old comic book by Frank Miller. And like Zack Snyder is like director that I think is just tries to make everything look cool as possible, mm-hmm. right? And that's really, <laughs> I think, exemplified in 300 like there's just all these slow motion shots of just like big muscly men Mm -hmm. killing dudes killing things and it looks super cool even Um, the scenes that aren't killing are just like breathtaking mm -hmm. i love it so much it's been ages since i've seen this film and i almost (laughs) put it on my list because i was like 300 is a great style over substance film in my opinion yeah and i think like 300 is a good movie to be style over substance because like the I think like the, the the comic they're they're pulling from and the writer Frank Miller is also another a similar vein is very much style over substance. Like he he did a wrote Sin City, which is a movie that's also very style over substance. So I think like those two things work together, and this for him that's a case where it works. But I think like a movie where it doesn't work is Watchmen. Um, have either of you seen that one? Yeah, but like probably when it first came out. And that has yeah. been far too long for me to even remember it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so Watchmen is based off like a really like like an the graphic novel. Like this is like the graphic novel that people revere as like this is the classic graphic novel. Um, and it, the the Watchmen for being a book about superheroes is like such an intellectual novel. Like there's a lot of themes and like ideas going on in the movie. And Zack Snyder is such a mismatch for mm. what uh, the movie is. Cause again, I think like that well, the idea of Watchmen is kind of say like superhero, the idea of a superhero is kind of bad. Right. Um, he, in, in the movie, in the book, like they're trying to constantly make like superheroes kind of look goofy and dumb. Like there's a character <laughs> um, called night owl. That is just like the, the equivalent of a Batman, like who's just this dork, which with a lot of money who dresses up in like this low rent superhero costume and you're supposed to believe that, like, he's, you know, he's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the movie adaptation of Watchmen, like, Zack Snyder went to lengths to make these characters do cool things and look cool, even though that's just not the point. And so it's just, like, one of those things, like, where 
uh, Zack Snyder was so really, really wanted to make sure that everything looked cool, that it kind of went at the sake of like, what is the actual message we're trying to get across for the movie? Yeah, so I can see that. I, I know uh, this is a movie that he did that most of the people I've talked to all say this is it was too long, too boring, uh, and they didn't like what he did with it. But I actually really liked his version of of uh, Superman with Man of Steel um, and all of that. So uh, but I would say that that movie probably had a lot more style over substance as well. So uh, yeah, and you know, what? I like Man of Steel, too. This is my hey. favorite out of his like DC, like the DC films, like I think it is the one that hits the best. Um, it, it, I think it, I actually think it's probably the most grounded out of his, his movies. Like it's the mm. least Zack Snyder. So. <laughs> so I'm going to pull a Kenny and bring up uh, like one or two more very quickly, uh, because the one that I'm going to pick to talk with you guys about is one that I also like, but I do want to point out that I think that there are plenty of instances of poorly done, where uh style takes all the substance out like there was just no substance at all and style's the only only thought i'm thinking of hardcore henry which was like a first person shot uh movie that i was really excited because of the style of the film but then the substance was just not there i'm thinking of uh the gray starring liam neeson i have grown up with uh many of my friends from high school knowing that i just championed how much i hated that film because it had no plot uh, uh, and, uh, other movies like Marlowe, which is another Liam Neeson. I love Liam Neeson. In fact, the movie that I'm going to bring up has Liam Neeson in it as well. Uh, but, uh, that film felt like it had a really cool vibe of 1930s and like noir film, but the, the film itself was boring and the plot was boring and I, I just did not like that. Um, uh, but that leads me to my actual pick that I absolutely love. And I can't believe I'm lumping it in again and I won't I won't talk about it too much. But I remember even on our podcast talking about these movies, we talked about how George Lucas can be a dude who focused way more on the style of his films and like the the themes and the costumes and like all like the design and the shots rather than any of the plot. (laughs) Uh, In fact, you could probably find a whole podcast, uh, maybe multiple podcasts dedicated to the plot holes in the prequels uh and i still love the prequels but i think that they are definitely style over substance in my opinion uh uh, the lightsabers the sets the uh planets like uh, the new aliens like all these different things are great but i think that they definitely are more important in my mind than any of the story that happens in the prequels at all yeah i thought about star wars a little bit too yeah, and I think like especially the prequels are movies that you go like, boy, this could have gone through the writing process a couple more times to come out with something better, <laughs> right? Like, but gosh know. darn it, if we didn't get some of the best lightsaber fights and battles and music and like, oh, I love it. I've not seen what else has he done other than Star Wars? Genuinely, I really don't know. Indiana Jones. Um, he's in. He does yeah. Indiana Jones. Well, he, George Lucas. Well, he like wrote it, helped write it. Steven Spielberg directed, but it's like his character and he wrote. Oh, know? okay, yeah. okay. It's like it's under a Lucasfilm umbrella. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I got you, I got you. That makes sense. Did oh, he sure. do, maybe I'm dumb, but didn't he do American Graffiti? Yeah, he did American Graffiti yeah. after that. That was with, uh, what's okay. his name? Because uh, that's when he discovered um, Harrison right, Ford. Harrison Ford, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm looking at his filmography real quick, but I think it's basically just Star Wars and some Indiana Jones and Howard the Duck, which I've heard was terrible. Hello. Yeah. But I'm not sure if he was a director on that or what, writer, who knows. Yeah, it's... Eh, he didn't need to do anything a else. A lot of random stuff. Yeah, I mean, totally. If I wish I could have directed <laughs> Star Wars and written Star Wars. That would be cool. Instead, I just get to talk to you about one of my favorite filmmakers, but someone who I absolutely consider to be style over substance, and that's Edgar Wright. I love Edgar Wright, but he is absolutely someone who utilizes style in his films. Not necessarily to the detriment of his substance, but perhaps instead of. Uh, like, I don't think that his movies are bad plot-wise, but I don't think that they're, like, super great, concrete, amazing films. I think that... Well, I do think they're amazing films, but I don't think that the, the <laughs> script is necessarily heads and shoulders above other things out there. It is just the combination of the two that works so well. But it's clear he, he puts so much emphasis on his style because Edgar Wright has for sure. a particular style and one that works in particularly well for, for comedy slash action films like that mixes them both. You're talking hot fuzz, Scott Pilgrim, all those, but he's tried his hand at a couple of different things with last night in Soho, which was more of like a, a, a twisty horror film, which I really dug, but I think in general kind of flopped pretty hard. Not a lot of people loved that, but still his style held true. Uh, and maybe, maybe mm. in that case, to the detriment of the film itself, it's. Uh, I feel like it's very easily recognizable too. Maybe more so than any other one that I've. Yeah, I've so I think Wes Anderson's probably the most recognizable if we were mm. to pick one here, because like you can look at a frame of a Wes Anderson movie and be like, yeah, that's that's probably Wes Anderson. It would probably take like a scene of an Edgar Wright film for me to tell you that it's an Edgar Wright film. Uh, like three cuts which is like right three seconds. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i love his films we'll probably have an edgar wright ranking at some point in the future as we discuss and argue about which ones are best and worst but i think he's an incredible filmmaker but i mean for example i don't think he's very good at writing women and we've talked about that in the case of baby driver where i don't think that debbie was particularly well written and I think that that is kind of true in Last Night in Soho, though I think it is better. Um, but I just don't think like his writing is his writing is good, but it is not his strongest suit. His strongest suit is his directing style that makes Edgar Wright who he is, in my opinion. Yeah, he's never had like a female lead in this movie. Oh no, yes, Soho, Last Night in Soho. But I mean, yeah. that was his most recent film, and it still got panned pretty hard for it not being an incredible mm -hmm. written. A woman now that said i do believe the co-writer on last night in soho was a woman so like that's not to say that this is edgar wright failing because it's edgar wright like i don't i don't put that all on him or on her i'm just saying that like i think he uh i think it could have been better but i don't think it's like all on his head or something like that maybe i'm dumb but i thought uh, he did an okay job with Scott Pilgrim, at least in my opinion. But yeah, I've only seen uh, Scott Pilgrim once. I liked it a lot, but like I don't have as much to say like uh, about it, right? Like I've seen Soho yeah, yeah, two yeah. or three times. I've seen his other films. I've seen uh, Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead twenty times each, maybe. I've seen seen the world oh, in I, I two three times. Love Hot oh, Fuzz, it's so man! Good. Like it's so yeah. good. So I definitely have less to say about something like Scott Pilgrim, though. I do think it's a good film, but yeah, I mean. He is one of a few filmmakers. I, we talked briefly before the show started that I, I think you could put, well, obviously you could put Wes Anderson here. 
I think you could argue Tarantino goes here. Um, again, these are not people that don't have substance. It's just someone who has a particular style that is recognizable and maybe sometimes more so than the, the plot or something yeah. like that. But One that I've seen at least a few of is Guillermo del Toro, but I definitely think his movies have just a ton of substance. Uh, that like, uh, cause I was thinking Pan's Labyrinth as one of my films as possible, but like I literally wrote a college essay that was like seven pages long really? in Spanish about the depth of that film. That's really cool. <laughs> like I didn't know that. There's so much to that film. That's good. Yeah. I have not but... seen enough Guillermo del Toro. I really want to, um, like I was shape of water and Pan's Labyrinth. They're both on my watch list is some that I really Gosh, need to get shape to. Of water but, is so good. but yeah, I think Edgar Wright is a, a perfect pick. Or something like this, and that's not to say that the that's not to say that that's a bad thing. Again, I think we should clarify one final time before we close up that these are all good. Or mostly, most of the films and games we talked about are are very solid, good, enjoyable games and movies. That there is nothing wrong. This is not a. These things are bad because they're stylish. The gray sucks. Okay, good to know. Yeah, Watch- Watchmen sucks too. Avatar. <laughs> Let's clarify. Avatar 2 sucks. <laughs> I bought the 4K of it. It doesn't even, it, it has style if you like water. I do like water. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I got a good it's deal beautiful. on the 4K, so I got them both. So when they get here, I'll sit down and watch them and I'll tell you how I feel about Avatar. Well, it's beautiful. You'll love it, but gosh darn it, <laughs> the story suck in three and a half hours. Ugh. We'll see. You watch that with ads, it'll take you two well, it days. Won't be with ads. It won't be with ads. Maybe I can get you to come over and watch it with me. No, def- no. <laughs> well, that's the same answer I get no matter what. So it's, I'm, I'm indifferent to this. Hey, I said we'd watch Mad Max that's together. True. That'd be fine. Or Shape of Water. I'll watch that okay. with you. All right. We'll figure something out. Well, I hope you enjoyed this uh, kind of confusing, but very fun and enlightening episode, in my opinion. Uh, if you have <laughs> anything to add to this discussion of style and substance in games and movies, please join the Discord, which there will be a link in the show notes below. I'd love to hash this out with you. See what you have to say are your thoughts and opinions and movies and games that all would make this list uh, a very fun discussion to be had, even though our fearless leader, Kyle, decided that he did not want to have the discussion after bringing up the topic at hand. You know, I thought we avoided any icebergs, so we've done good for our ship, and yeah. I think we've made it to port. Well Without done, the guys. captain here? Without the captain yeah, here. Yeah, we did good, everybody. I like how we're patting ourselves really... on the back in the episode. Great episode. We're much like Kyle for picking the topic. Great episode, guys. Good job. Thanks, guys. <laughs> what were you going to say, Kenny? Let's get out of here. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.